Welcome to the Great Loop Radio podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're going to do a little bit of an update on what's happening on the inland rivers. It's been a bit of a uh, challenging season uh, due to a lot of different closures. So uh, Karen Nettles from the Homeport crew is going to be here to kind of unpack that with me. Before we jump in, I want to take a moment, as I always do, to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our viewers and listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. So, Karen Nettles, thanks for joining me again today to kind of go over what's happening on the Inland Rivers. Oh, you're quite welcome. There's been a lot of activity, hasn't there? It's been a bit busy season, a lot going on. And um, yeah, we want to make sure that everybody's kind of up to speed and let it kind of serve as a lesson to... Uh, those who might be coming in future years of the types of challenges you might have to deal with. Right. And then we just did cover the closures of the Illinois Waterway just a few podcast episodes ago. And then we know that boats have gone through. So can you tell us how AGLC worked with members to get them through there? Yeah. Well, for those of you who didn't listen to that episode, there was a four month long closure on the Illinois Waterway with no alternate route. So loopers knew about that ahead of time. Uh, those who are at least in engaged with the group should have known about that ahead of time because we've been putting out information for over a year about it. But the waterway was closed for some lock maintenance from June 1st through September 30th. Those were the scheduled dates. And it became pretty apparent we'd have a significant backlog of boats. Now, nobody was waiting in Chicago for those four months. They continued to cruise and explore the Great Lakes. But as we moved towards October, we knew that in the month of October, we'd have about 300 looper boats collecting in the Chicago area and looking to move down the rivers. So we were able to organize them into smaller groups to kind of avoid a giant bottleneck and the chaos that would come with everybody trying to move together. Uh, we're sitting here, this podcast is being released on October 27th, so almost the end of the month, and uh, happy to say that just about everybody is now into the Inland Rivers and off of Lake Michigan, with the exception of a few who just um, extended their stay on the lake and, and were coming through later for various reasons. Well, it's good relief to know that that's almost completed. So can you tell us how that all worked out, how the process worked? Yeah, it was a really time-consuming process, and there were a lot of delays and frustrations uh, for our members, but I think overall most of them were agree would agree that the actual process ended up not being as hard as they expected. AGLCA worked pretty closely with the Corps of Engineers who run the lock and the commercial interests who have priority on locking through so that we could be prepared for the reopening. And the Corps did ask us a week or so before the October 1st reopening to please hold up for about five days. Um, that was a little frustrating for many, but the bottom line was that they weren't sure the locks would be fully ready for opening. They'd start to move commercial vessels, and they thought was, there was a pretty high risk of malfunctions. They and we did not want any pleasure craft to be stuck between locks in the pools there because there's no facilities, there's no resources there. And they certainly didn't want any pleasure craft to be stuck inside a lock should that mal malfunction occur. So there were some delays during those five days, 
but overall it led to a much smoother process when the pleasure craft started to move because some of the commercial backlog was through and they kind of worked the kinks out. Um, so we had that one delay. We were sending our boats through 16 at a time. That was the number we determined that each lock in the area could handle, that our staging area at Joliet could handle. That 16 would move through the three reopened locks, which were Brandon Road, Dresden Island, and Marseilles on the Illinois Waterway, and end the day at AGLCA sponsor Heritage Harbor Marina um, and travel as a group through that. That seemed to work really well. Um, we did have one three-day delay for serious weather concerns, wind on, and waves on the lake, and just wind in the locks. Um, but all in all, after the second delay, we were able to kind of combine some groups and move everybody forward and get everybody through, I think, reasonably close to the time frame they were expecting. So I think overall it worked pretty well. I, for one, am glad everybody's through <laughs> and that that project is done. But we've been in touch with the Corps, and they're pleased with how it went. They congratulated our uh, flotilla leaders on a job well done. And they are happy to work with us the next time this happens. And that's the best case scenario. So we're happy with the way all that, that all ended up. Well, we know you did a, a put a, put in a lot of work and effort to keep those flotillas <laughs> going and shuffle them around. So I know that everybody appreciates what you did because that helped with the effort as well. Yeah, there was a lot of flotilla shuffling, but, you know, we are pretty understanding of that. You know, we tell loopers repeatedly not to have a schedule. And then we asked you to pick a day to go through, you know, a month ahead of time. So we certainly knew and expected that there would be a lot of changes. And there were. Um, but ultimately, there were very few that we had to say, you know, nope, we can't get you through when you want to go through. Um, and if if we couldn't, it was usually only a day or two shift uh, that they had to wait. So I think it went well. And um, hopefully our members would agree with that. Yeah, sure, for sure. And we know since then, there's been some other issues on the waterway. So we're going to kind of cover some of the other areas on the routes. Um, why don't we start with the Mississippi River? What's now going on there on that portion of the route? Yeah, you know, and I haven't figured out if this is just luck of the draw that it's a rough year all around or if some maintenance projects were kind of planned for later in the season because usually most pleasure craft are through but the bottom line is that there have been several um some short and some longer closures as loopers work their way down so as they leave the illinois waterway which was the the river that was impacted by the lengthy four-month closures uh loopers move on to the mississippi river the water, if you've been watching the news, is extremely low on the Mississippi for at least the second year in a row. So that impacts a lot of things. It impacts anchorages uh, because, of course, lower water means some of the anchorages become inaccessible if they're silted in at all. And the anchorages become smaller as the water lowers, of course, the, the river kind of contracts. So the Mississippi portion of the route is always one that is kind of lacking for facilities. So as loopers work their way down, we asked them to continue, uh, you know, our suggestion was move every day while you're on the Illinois waterway to free up the dockage and the anchorages for those coming behind you, since we were sending 16 more boats down every day. The Mississippi River, where it intersects with the Illinois, has several large marinas, so that was a good place to take a rest. I am hearing, though, that some loopers are taking an extended rest there, which is, is fine. We are Certainly not trying to plan an itinerary for everybody all the way down the river system, but the later groups have started to catch up with the earlier groups if they haven't moved on. Flotillas are not necessarily staying together as a group of 16, but as more and more boats are coming through the Illinois River, hitting the Mississippi, 
it's creating a little bit of a backlog. So after you've rested up a little bit at Alton or Grafton or Port Charles, which are all AGLCA sponsor marinas, we encourage you to kind of continue moving along. Hoppies, which is a long time kind of looper institution because they offer a much needed fuel stop and overnight stop, is of course operational. Uh, it is not as large as it once was. Uh, Hoppies is a set of barges basically tied to the riverbank. And a few years ago, uh, a few of them were impacted by flooding and are no longer available. So that's a little bit of a bottleneck. And the other thing that loopers should know about is one of the uh, well-known anchorages coming through this area is the Kaskaskia Lock. The Kaskaskia River intersects with the Upper Mississippi. And just inside the river's mouth, there is a lock. Uh, and just below the lock, there is generally a wall that loopers can tie to overnight as, as kind of a free, no frills stop. However, there's dredging going on in the Kaskaskia River there. So they are actually removing the wall, which they do when they dredge there. I'm not quite sure how that works or why, but they remove the wall that loopers generally tie to. Last year, when we were coming through that area aboard the perch, they were also dredging. Even though the wall was out, we were able to use that area below the lock and dam as an anchorage. That's not possible this year because the water is even lower and because of the dredging equipment, there's not enough room in that pool there for people to be at anchor and for the dredge equipment. So again, this podcast is being released on October 27th. In the days leading up to this, it has been closed to anchoring. They have a brief period where loopers will be able to access the the area and tie to the wall, and that is today, October 27th, 28th, and 29th. So for the weekend, basically, they are, are allowing pleasure craft access. Anyone who chooses to tie to the wall has to be out by Monday morning at 6.30 a.m. because they that's when they will be removing the wall for the dredging. That's when the area will once again become inaccessible to pleasure craft. So plan for that. They expect that to be around a week, but they don't have a, a firm completion date on the dredging. So if you're coming through that area, you need to know about this. Some of our members who have recently come through have posted to the AGLCA members forum with some alternative anchorages. Generally, there's alternatives for just about everything you're going to encounter. It's just a matter of knowing, you know, to go out and find an alternative and not be counting on the Kaskaskia lock, for example, because this time that's not going to be available. So that's the challenge on the Mississippi right now, um, but definitely check out the forum for the additional potential anchorages. And of course, every captain needs to choose their own viable stops. Okay, so once they get through the Mississippi River, we know there's now some challenges on the Ohio River as well. So can you tell us about those? Yeah, and these are fairly minor, um, but for the, the first one is uh, the Olmstead Lock. This is the newest lock in the system. It is absolutely immense. Um, some locks have two chambers, but one is considered an auxiliary chamber and it is much smaller than the others. The good news is Olmstead is having a partial closure and a, a series of them, but only one chamber is closing. And Olmstead's chambers, I believe, are 1,200 feet each or maybe 1,600 feet each. But the bottom line is they are twice as big as these chambers that people just went through on the Illinois Waterway. So even though one will be closed for periods of time, the second chamber, which is the same size, remains operational. You just will be competing with... Um, commercial vessels to get through there and there are some narrow waterways leading up to the Olmstead lock in the direction loopers are heading so that you know it might just create some challenges just contact the lock staff 
be sure to make sure if you're anchoring to wait your turn or overnight that you are anchoring in a safe place. The staff there recommends if you're arriving at night to anchor below the lock. Don't try to lock through and then anchor above to have a head start in the morning. They feel like it's really not safe to be anchoring above the lock because should the anchor slip or drag, you're moving towards the dam at that point. Um, and that, of course, is not something you'd want to be doing. So the Olmstead closures, they have staged it in a series of 10-day closures and then 10 days open. And when I say closure, again, it's a partial closure. You can still transit through. It just might take a little longer. There's going to be more traffic. Um, so the first 10 days of partial closure are already finished. The second 10-day period started on October 23rd and runs through November 1st. So that's when you might see additional delays at Olmstead. Then it'll be completely open, both chambers. So hopefully that'll clear any backlog that is remaining from the partial closure. And then the third portion of the partial closure will be November 13th through November 22nd. That's when one chamber will be closed and the other will be operational again. And I do think we'll still have loopers working their way through there during that third closure. So I want to make sure that people are aware. Um, again, nothing really to fear, nothing to worry about, um, not even you know something you can really do to alter your course unless you just delay somewhere else. You will be able to get through. It'll just potentially take you a little bit longer. So keep that in mind. Continuing a little further on the Ohio River, you come to Paducah, Kentucky. Paducah is a great stop. We just want you to know, and they're also an AGLCA sponsor. Um, they are working on a project adjacent to their transient dock there that is requiring them to cut the power to the transient dock. So if you plan to tie up at Paducah, number one, you may not have power, and that's running through about mid-November. And number two, if there is no power, they cannot pump fuel. So from Hoppies on the Mississippi, which I mentioned, to Paducah is about 200 miles. When both are operational for fuel, that is the biggest distance between fuel stops on the Great Loop. If Paducah is out of the picture for fuel, then the fuel stop distance changes to either 235 or 250 miles, depending on which way you head into the land between the lakes. So I think we'll talk about that in a minute too, but that kind of covers the area of the, the small piece of the Ohio River that loopers are gonna be going through. Okay. And then you mentioned the land between the lakes area. So what's going on with the Cumberland River? There's issues there, right? Yeah. So the land between the lakes is kind of the next um, stop where loopers kind of take a breather and don't keep moving. There's a, some things to see and do and some nice marinas. There's two ways to access that area. And the land between the lakes is basically a space between two rivers. Um, so as you're coming up the Ohio, you have your choice. You can either um, continue to the Cumberland River, which is kind of the preferred route choice for most loopers. Uh, you come through the Cumberland River, you end up on kind of the western side of the land between the lakes and can make your fuel stop. That's the route that it's about 250 miles between fuel stops from Hoppies to Green Turtle Bay, which is the land between the lakes area marina, also an AGLCA sponsor. And we thank all these marinas that are much needed fuel stops and sponsors. Um, a couple of really brief challenges on the Cumberland. Um, there was a closure at the Barkley Lock the last few days. I have confirmed with them today that they did reopen on schedule. So no longer an issue with the Barkley Lock being closed, which you do have to go through on this route. Uh, November 2nd is a planned bridge implosion on the Cumberland. And that will close down the Cumberland for uh, about 24 hours. It's supposed to happen early morning on November 2nd. 
and it will remain closed until they have been able to ensure that all of the debris has been moved and boats can transit safely. Obviously, we all want that. So um, look for notices about that if you're planning to come through about that time. Easiest way to deal with that is just to hold up for a day or two before heading to that area. But there is another route choice through here. You do not have to take the Cumberland. Instead, as you continue past Paducah on the Ohio River, you can turn onto the Tennessee River. Um, that way is generally not as popular with loopers as the Cumberland River route, and that is mostly because the Kentucky Lock, which you'll have to go through to get to the land between the, the lakes, is often very backlogged with commercial traffic. So the waits tend to be longer for loopers, but if there's any issue on the Cumberland, it is a very viable alternative, and it also uh, mileage-wise is shorter. So if you're kind of stretching on your fuel to get from Hoppies to that area, if Paducah is not having fuel, you're about 15 miles shorter if you actually take the Tennessee River through the Kentucky Lock and get to the land between the lakes that way. So um, both are very viable options. There's pluses and minuses to both, but those who may be short on fuel are going to want to take the, the Tennessee River version. Um, those who are more concerned about not being held up by locks and aren't coming through on November 2nd when they're imploding the bridge would probably want to take the Cumberland River route. So you know, take out your Great Loop map on the AGLCA website. You can zoom in on this area and get a better idea of what we're talking about. But um, two very close route choices and either one really works pretty well. Neither is having any big, you know, ca catastrophic types of delays at this moment that we're aware of. Um, and that'll okay. get you to the land between the lakes where you can rest up before you continue down the river system. Well, that's good. And then eventually they end up on the Tennessee River. So are there any challenges there so far? There's not really any major challenges there. Um, the water, once again, is low. And the rivers on the, the Tennessee River, they tend to lower the pools between the locks in the wintertime. So the Pickwick Lock has recently, as a looper was coming through, asked them to pass along to other loopers coming behind that the water may be very low in the mornings, call the lock ahead of time. Um, they will, if they can, raise the pool to make sure that there's enough water. And often when the water is low, they want to limit the lock throughs because that is moving a lot of water in one direction or the other. Um, so they're just asking that loopers call ahead at the Pickwick Lock on the Tennessee River. Uh, so, you know, no delay, no closure, but just as we always show, they're asking for close communication between the boaters and the lock. So that'll get you down the Tennessee River. Um a couple other little closures on the Tennessee River, nothing to be too worried about. Um, you do split off the Tennessee River to stay on the main Great Loop route, and you go through the divide cut to the Tom Bigby River. So that's the portion known as the Ten Tom Waterway. If you continue on the Tennessee River instead of going through the divide cut, that's a side trip. And the AGLCA rendezvous is coming up at Joe Wheeler State Park on the part of the Tennessee River that is a side trip. Um, you can also take the Tennessee River past Joe Wheeler State Park on up to Chattanooga and even beyond there to Knoxville. There is a brief closure coming up. Um, I believe it's November um, 3rd, 4th, and 5th, if I'm not mistaken, on the Tennessee River near Chattanooga for a boat race. Uh, they're saying that it's closed to all traffic. That's unusual for a boat race. They usually just kind of try and shuffle the, the boats in the race to one side of the channel and other boats to the other. It says it's going to be completely closed. So if you're headed up for a, a Tennessee River side trip, you're going to want to know about that. Um, it will not affect boats coming to the rendezvous from the main portion of the route because it is further up the Tennessee River. 
However, if you're coming to the rendezvous and you had extra time, so you've already gone up the Tennessee River and are somewhere in the you know Chattanooga or Knoxville area, this could impact you coming back down for the rendezvous. So make sure you look at your alerts and check for that. There's also some um, TVA electrical line work overhead on the waterway um, just before Joe Wheeler State Park if you're coming in from the main route to the rendezvous. So we'll be putting out some information on that um, pretty shortly. But, you know, these are just kind of normal waterway obstacles that you're going to find around the route. These are not big challenges. Um, you know, none of these on their own are really big challenges. It's just that there's been a season of many. So we want to make sure that everybody knows what's happening out there. Let's go ahead and take a break and play a message from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, you know, let's talk a little bit about what this kind of means overall beyond just these closures for this season. So that sounds good with you, Karen. We'll be back in a minute. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by both the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob? Use them to plan your Great Loop cruise and learn about the places you can visit. In the cockpit, important navigation info is always ready at your side, plus marina listings, anchorages, services, and so much more. Each Skipper Bob and Waterway Guide is updated yearly, and waterwayguide.com and skipperbob.net keep you current with navigation alerts, cruising news, fuel prices, and special deals. With the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob at the helm, you'll always be on course. Order yours today at the AGLCA ship store at greatloop.org. Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob are proud sponsors at the Admiral level with AGLCA. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile -mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud Admiral sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on the Great Loop Radio podcast today. Karen Nettles from the Homeport crew and I are chatting about some of the closures and other kind of obstacles that have been faced on the river system this season. Um, so, yeah, it's been one of the more challenging seasons I can remember. Um, any take on that, Karen? Um, I think it is challenging. We can remember a few years ago when it, there was an Illinois waterway closure, uh, but this one seems to be a little more challenging than than that one. And then all these other little um, water, other places on the Mississippi and Ohio and so forth that's had some minor closures. And speaking of that, now that we've kind of laid the land of what's taking place, those that are planning the loop can kind of be second guessing what's going on, you know, what what they have to endure when they're coming down the waterway in their cruising so what do you hope people take away from this conversation that it doesn't deter them from doing the route but encourage them to still do it yeah we definitely don't want uh these challenges that we've talked about to deter anyone from taking on their great loop um it has not been an easy season but as i you know kind of had suggested and hopefully was right in most cases um the flotilla thing ends up being kind of fun you develop close relationships with the other boats in your flotilla. You've got, you know, a group that you are going through the challenge with. So, you know, the whole safety and numbers concept. Um, 
it tends to be some of the highlights and some of the stories you tell after the loop when you encounter these challenges. Um, so, you know, really, I just kind of wanted people to know that they exist. We wanted to get the information out for the current group of loopers um, in case they have missed any of the other, you know, the forum or any of the other alerts that have gone out about some of these things that are still going on. But for future loopers, you know, it's uncommon for all these to happen in one year, but they are the kind of things that happen every year, usually in smaller doses. <laughs> um, so you always have to have a plan B. It's part of why we tell you not to have a schedule so that, you know, the, um, which lock, I guess it was the Barkley lock that was closed for four days earlier this week. If you have a schedule, those are the things that can really wreak havoc with that schedule. And those are some of the reasons that we suggest you don't, but, you know, it just kind of exemplifies why a plan B is needed. Uh, it also, you know, if the great loop were easy all the time, it wouldn't really be much of an accomplishment to complete it. So overcoming some of the challenging sections are really what makes it such an accomplishment. And so much of how it goes is attitude. You know, instead of people getting kind of um, frazzled when we had some delays in Chicago and the Corps asked us to hold up for five days and then there was a weather delay, you know, I had one member who was like, oh, you know, everybody was wanting to move forward. And one was like, can you move me back a day? We'd really like to go see Hamilton while we're here in Chicago. And that's that's kind of the attitude that we encourage. You know, the people who were going to Cubs games and doing all the fun things that they could find in Chicago were the ones who had a great time while they waited for the lock to open. And that's just it's the only way to really deal with it is just to accept that a lot of this is outside your control and make the best of it. And it's great to see loopers out there doing that. And I hope that that trend continues in the future because our aging infrastructure is not getting any younger and there will be more long-term closures like this. Certainly, like I said, they're gonna, you're gonna always have challenges and things are gonna come up. You just need to learn to go with the flow. Stay connected to the AGLCA website, to any you know things we're putting out in our forum. Um, those are the best ways to find the information and always be planning for a plan B because it's great when waterway closures are previously announced and planned, but they can happen unexpectedly. So, um, you know, every day you should have a plan B in case something goes wrong, but just kind of thinking a little bit more broadly, you know, what will you do on your own loop if you are delayed in Chicago for a couple of extra weeks? Or what will you do if there's a lock that's down on the Erie Canal that's preventing you from getting further? Uh, and just start to set the frame of mind, you know, we kind of have to give up control and accept that these things are gonna happen. Uh, and that's that's the best you can do to be prepared is look for the, what the plan B is going to be and be willing to accept what's outside of our control. And that, that's all I can really suggest. But um, I think it's, even though it's been a little bit of a few extra challenges here and there, I really think the vast majority of loopers coming down the river system have enjoyed it, have had a good time. Um, it is kind of a challenging, it's a remote and in some ways, because of that, a very tiring part of the Great Loop, because there's not a lot of places to stop for multiple days for breaks. Um, so people tend to get to the rendezvous and are, they're kind of worn out. Um, but as they continue down towards the Gulf and towards the saltwater and towards Southwest Florida and the Keys that are loop, looper favorites, you know, the time where loopers don't move very much for a couple of months at a time because it's winter and they're enjoying South Florida is coming. So um just, I hope everyone continues to enjoy their trip. Uh, as far as I know, everybody's remained 
completely safe um, through the challenges. And that, of course, is the most important thing. So we thank all of our members for cooperating with the processes that we put in place this this season to help everybody get through. Um, we're always open to feedback on how you think it went. So feel free to drop us an email at info at greatloop.org if you have any questions or feedback or comments for us. I think that about covers what, what Karen and I set out to do today. Anything else from you, Karen? Uh, no, I'm sure the loopers have learned a great, great things from this experience, and there'll be a lot of conversation over doc tales that they can share their stories and other people can learn from them. Yeah, and the, and the group has done a fabulous job as the earlier flotillas shared information back to the ones that were coming later um, was really wonderful. So a shout out to all of our flotilla leaders who were volunteers who really put a lot of time and effort into planning their group's transit through. So um. Thank you to everyone and Karen Nettles from the Homeport Crew. Thank you for joining me today so we could go through all of these details. Quite welcome. Thanks to everyone who has watched or listened today. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruising. Mm -hmm.